Alright, now you can go. Now you're good. Now get on out. Well done. Check, check, check. Alright. Hello? Verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ... 14 generations. This is God's word. And I had them read it because if I read it, you'd fall asleep. But if they read it, you're hanging on every word. So, uh, why are we reading a, a genealogy today? I have an illustration that I think helps understand why my family uh, loves to watch movies. Okay, like we just... We like movies, but there's a funny wrinkle in our movie watching. So while me and Sierra and Brody and Scott, we get our places on the couch and dig in. We are going to watch a movie, and that's all we're going to do. Um, There's another member in our family who does not do that. Okay, I'm not sure what all this person is doing, but it's apparent she's not watching the movie. And therefore, often asks in the middle, who is that? Why are they doing that? Questions that, if she watched the start, <laughs> would be obvious. That, we're two and a half hours in, that's Frodo. <laughs> we're nine and a half hours in, that's Mount Doom. And he has to cast the ring into the fire. How'd you miss that? Okay, this is the, the point is, jumping into the story in the middle uh, without paying attention brings confusion, Okay. So it is with our Bible reading. Okay, and so to help those who missed out on the beginning of the story because they were talking to a puppy. um, (laughs) To help them out, help us out, God gives in his word genealogies. Okay, a list of names designed to catch you up because you were talking to a puppy. And so from this genealogy, the Lord's catching us up on five things. Okay, so we can do five things. Go eat some chili, vote, and have a happy, merry, merry Christmas, okay? Five? All right. First uh, thing that the genealogy catches us up on is this, is that God loves the Old Testament, okay? God loves the Tanakh. In the second century, there was a heretic named Marcion who'd said a lot of, of bad and, and weird things, but most famously, he taught that the God depicted in the Old Testament, Yahweh of Israel was not, in fact, God, but an evil, uh, malicious being that Jesus came to save us from. Okay, He came to get rid of this Old Testament God and give us this new whatever. Therefore, Marcion's Bible did not have the Old Testament. Okay, He didn't think it was worth anything. And the New Testament that he did have excluded Matthew. Right. It it didn't have he didn't have that gospel. Why? Because of this genealogy. Okay, this genealogy looks at Marcionite tendencies to forget or or rebuke the Old Testament story. And it just like says, good luck. Okay, You, you can't do it, man. So Matthew, by beginning with Jesus family tree, is not inviting us to ignore or dismiss or devalue the law and the prophets. The genealogy says, hey, look at this again. Okay. This matters. This is important because everything Matthew's about to say for the next 28 chapters of Matthew only makes sense in this storyline. Okay, if you try and just throw it in the middle of the story, you start doing weird uh, things and and we, we would just call Gentile nonsense. Okay, it doesn't fit the narrative. So as a point of application, you guys 
maybe, I don't know, your New Year's resolutions are coming up, just say two things. One, you don't have to start January 1st. You can start December 11th after you eat your bake sale item. Okay, (laughs) then you can start. You don't have to wait till the first second, though. If you're aiming to, you know, New Year's resolution, whatever, aim to read the law and the prophets diligently. Okay, you do your Bible in a year, your Bible in in two year plan, which I recommend you can read slower and whatever. Don't just skip over that stuff. Right. It it is the same story that Jesus is born into and is, is presently living in. Okay, so along these same lines, the second thing we learn from the genealogy is that God is Jewish. Right. Okay, the, the Jewish patriarchs start the thing off. Verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, right? These are Jewish men. So the way that Matthew is written and composed is meant to communicate to the Jewish readers of this thing that Jesus is one of them. He's Abraham's seed. He is their brother. He, he's not German or Asian or either sort of Indian. Jesus is a Jewish man, right? When he was born and now seated at the height of the heavens, there's a Jewish man sitting there and a Jewish man who will return in the same way that he went up on the clouds, which means this, just to point this out, God has bound himself ethnically in the unfolding uh, of redemptive history, okay? Psalm 47, God is king over all the earth. No, no doubt, but he has overwhelmingly, right? If you just did a list of, of the names of God, how he's portraying himself um, in our scriptures, you're not going to get the things that we think about, all the imnes and omnis, right? Omniscient, um, immutable, all the stuff. You're going to get the king of Israel, the God of Abraham, the king of the Jews. Salvation, John four twenty two. Jesus says salvation is from the Jews because I is one, right? It comes from... Me And so as our congregation moves further into Matthew and, and we get to the cross, which we're going to finish Matthew in 2023, Lord willing, um, it's clear. It will be clear at that point that Pilate was not mistaken when he wrote above our crucified Lord's head, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. This is who he is. And, and, and so the genealogy makes this clear. One, just by showing that Jesus lineage is from David. But even in how um, Matthew arranged it. So what we have is three sets of, of 14 names. I counted. Okay. And they, if you do, if whatever, if you, numerology, gematria, whatever, it spells out what? David. Pretty cool. Okay. Jesus does not just belong to the people of God. Jesus belongs to the royal line within the people. He is Israel's Messiah. So the genealogy shows us that God loves the Old Testament, that God is Jewish. And third, it shows us that God loves the Gentiles. Okay, when I talk about or or this comes up in Bible study or whatever, this God is Jewish stuff. Oftentimes, Gentiles feel offended or or slighted. Okay, like if mom and dad say, I love Reagan. What's your what's my base? Well, what about Josh? I didn't say I don't love Josh. I just said I love Reagan. Right. So there's no need to feel Slighted or offended or like we're reading a a weird story here. God chose to be Jewish in order to bless the Gentiles. It's just how he's chosen to work. We we sang earlier, Grant, give me all the amens. Amen. We we, we sang uh, the song earlier, Israel's strength and consolation. Yes. But also hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation. 
joy of every longing heart. In Genesis 12, right, this is kind of where we begin. God makes a covenant with Abraham that through his seed, all, all the nations, right, all the other 69 nations around him will be blessed. So through believing in Abraham's God, sharing in Abraham's faith, Gentiles, you are included in Abraham's blessing, okay? By by faith, by trust. And so one way that genealogy makes this clear, all right, that God is about loving and, and, and blessing the Gentiles is how it highlights women, okay? So verse 3, Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, it's a woman. Salmon, verse 5, the, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Second woman. Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. So in this long list of, of, of men, Matthew strategically places four women. Why? They're Gentiles. Right? They, they, they is different than everyone else in there. Okay? Tamar is not an Israelite. She's a Canaanite. We skip Genesis 38 in Sunday school. Um... Read it if you want to. <laughs> She's a Gentile. Next is Rahab. Rahab was a Canaanite prostitute in Jericho. Yes, she, by faith, hides Israel's spies, betrays Jericho, saves her family, and not only ends up in Jesus' genealogy here, but also in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Okay, what about Ruth? Ruth is a Moabite woman um, in, in the law. Deuteronomy 23 teaches Moabites were not allowed to become Israelites, except for this one, I guess. Okay. God welcomes Ruth into the family because she left everything to follow Israel's God. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And she becomes an ancestor of David the king. And then finally Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, is a a Hittite. So through the genealogy, Matthew is cueing us into God's plan for the, the, the Jewish Messiah, right, to extend his blessing to all the nations, to all the Gentiles, and, and that good news that they're about to read in the next 28 chapters is going to extend to the ends of the earth, and it's going to culminate in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they're going to cry out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God chose the Jews because God loves the Gentiles, okay? You're sitting here today, and what I'm saying makes some sense to you because the Jewish people have stewarded the oracles of God for 4,000 years. Okay? You know what I mean? You don't have a Bible. You don't have the, 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 the prophetic oracle and utterances without the Jewish people bringing it, it to us. Um, I, my junior high class abandoned me today, so I went to um, George's class and uh, just... This was perfect. Romans fifteen twelve. he says, uh, I, this isn't on, on the screen. The root of Jesse will appear. We sang about the root of Jesse. The one who will arise to rule over the Gentiles. And in him, this Jewish king, this Jewish root, in him, all the Gentiles will put their hope. So rejoice, you Gentiles, for God elected the Jews. We rejoice in election. We don't have to feel weird about it. Be happy about it, right? God's... Does things how he how he does them, okay? Fourth, we're doing okay. Fourth, and in the same vein, Matthew's genealogy shows us my favorite thing, the faithfulness of, of God, okay? 
God does not lie. So Matthew is written 400-ish years after uh, Israel has had, you know, just a bona fide prophetic utterance that everyone's like, that's legit. Okay, we'll, we'll keep that one. And so if you're at Israel in this time, 400 years of, of silence, if you're being honest, you've got to wonder. All right. We've been languishing in exile for 400-ish years. All right. We, 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 we did the Greek thing. That was terrible. Now we're doing the Roman thing. It's pretty terrible. Unless we submit, then we make more money, then we're wicked. And it's just a bad deal for them at, at this time in, in history that Jesus comes into. And so if you're a faithful Israelite, if you're part of this believing remnant, faithful remnant, you got to be wondering, did God lie about all these promises? The stuff we're reciting uh, in, in the synagogue, the stuff we're saying and speaking about in our homes. Did God lie? Is, is our God trustworthy? Okay. Did he lie about the promise he made to Eve in Genesis 3 that through her seed would come the one who would crush the serpent's head and end sin and death forever? Did he lie about the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17 that Israel would have land, seed, and blessing without someone like Herod ruling over them? Did he, did he lie to David? This is a big one. Did he lie to David in 2 Samuel 7? So the angel shows up to uh, Mary and quotes 2 Samuel 7. Is, is this a lie? I will appoint a place for my people Israel. I will plant them that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again. Nor will the wicked afflict them. And I will give them rest from all their enemies. You're in Israel in the first century. You're like, is God a liar? You're in Israel in 2022. Is, is God a liar? The Lord will make a house for you. I will raise up your seed after you who will come forth from you. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Is that a lie? Did God lie to Jeremiah in in, in chapter 31 that God would make a new covenant with the house of Israel? He'd make a new covenant with the house of Judah and he would put his law within them. On, on his heart, he's going to write their law. They will be their, he will be their God. They will be his people. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Did he lie in Jeremiah 32? Just right after 31. Behold, I will gather them out of all the lands to which I have driven them. I will bring them back to this place. Not just bring them back, but actually make them dwell in safety. So what's happening present day not be this. For thus says the Lord, just as I brought all this great disaster on this people, I'm going to bring them, bring on them all the good that I am promising to them. Is this a lie? In the first century, it feels like it. Okay. 2022, it feels like it. What about Ezekiel? Therefore say to the house of Israel, I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will be careful to observe my law. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. Like were those lies? Is is God unfaithful? Matthew's genealogy says no. God is not a liar. God is faithful. God will come through. Matthew opens up with the genealogy to reaffirm that in the life and work of Jesus, God is still being faithful to every word that he said. My word goes out. It will not return void. Okay. He will keep his promises. A son will crush the snake. Israel will turn and he'll hear his voice. God will appoint a place for his people, give them rest from their enemies, and a king will sit on David's throne forever. God will write his law on their hearts and forgive and no longer remember their iniquity. All the promises of God, Paul will write later, find their yes in who? In him. 
in Jesus, this seed, he's the guy. He's God's appointed one to make sure all that stuff happens. All God's promises will be completed in him who, Matthew says, in him who is called Christ, Messiah, appointed one. And fifth and finally, this genealogy communicates that God loves sinners. Which is just great news for you. Okay. We won't read through the whole list again. They did a great job of it. Um, But just a quick survey of of the list shows that Jesus' family tree um, ain't the cleavers. I don't have a reference for anyone under 50. (laughs) If you don't know who the cleavers are, raise your hand. Okay, yeah. Anyway. I've already listed the women um, and their their sin, but have you considered the men? Abraham. Abraham, before God calls him as a pagan idol worshiper, who not once, but twice... Tried to pass his wife, Sarah, off as his sister. Judah, that, again, Genesis 38. Not going on the felt board. <laughs> then David, we know his story. We looked at it a little bit um, last week. Then Solomon's story, as you take David's story and multiply it by 700. And throw in idol worship as, as well. Verse 7 in the genealogy, we see um, Rehoboam. You know, Sam knows these kings better than I do. Ishbosheth. <laughs> Verse 7, Rehoboam, uh, he's a king in Israel. He rejects the counsel of older men. He treats his subjects harshly. He taxes them beyond their means. He raises up altars in high places. His son was Abijah, whose son was Asa, who had some flaws, but Asa got things licking up. Then comes Jehoshaphat, who was good, but Joram wasn't. Okay, Jotham was good, Ahaz wasn't. And then you get Hezekiah, and Hezekiah... Great. One of Israel's greatest kings. He brings uh, worship back to the temple. He says, we're going to worship Yahweh and Yahweh alone. He destroys the idols, smashes uh, the idols. But his son is Manasseh, which is just whiplash. Okay. Um, Manasseh brings all the idols back in. But Manasseh actually eventually repents. You skip a few more kings. We get Josiah, who's another baller of a king. The point is... God has sovereignly chosen not just to use sinful people to work out his redemptive plan, but that God loves the sinful people his redemptive plan is for. God loves sinners. Okay? This is why he sent his son into the world. God loves sinners. Matthew could have just listed David and Hezekiah and Josiah. Just listed the good kings in the line. But even those good ones, right? David, Solomon, Hezekiah, Josiah. Even the good ones missed the mark. You know what I mean? Like if my standard is David, I'm doing okay. Okay? The genealogy shows that Jesus has come precisely to save people like this. People like you and me, Sam Alberry writes, Matthew's genealogy includes the outcast and the scandalous and the foreigner. The family that Jesus comes from anticipates the family he has come for, which includes the Jew and Gentile sinner. So if you think this morning, December 11th, 2022, that you are beyond God's reach, that there is no way. That a holy, righteous, just God could forgive you, one, and two, use you. I would just encourage you to read this list. Okay? 
You ever seduced and been impregnated by your father-in-law? I hope not. They're in the list. Ever sleep with your most loyal soldier's wife and then have him murdered? We have cops in the room. You have. If you're going to confess to murder. Ever been given charge and responsibility over God's special nation and then invited idols and prostitutes into God's house? I know you haven't, but I don't think so. So if this is the family that Jesus comes from, and this is the family that Jesus comes for, what makes your sin so unforgivable? What makes you, because it's just arrogance is what it comes down to. What makes you so special that they're not out of reach of the arm of the Lord, but you are? You're not special. Your sin is sin. Your sin isn't special, and neither is your past. This list is filled with great sinners. But this list is also filled with repenters. Okay? Abraham, David, Solomon, Hezekiah, and Josiah all repented, all trusted in God's forgiveness to mark them clean for the day of the Lord. We went through last week, Tamar and Rahab, repent. Okay? It's not, your sin's awesome. It's, it's, I forgive sin. Now go and, and sin no more. Tamar and Rahab repent. And they're included in Jesus' lineage. Matthew includes these sorts of people and writes later in the same gospel, Matthew 9, that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, you need a doctor. For I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. I came from a family of sinners to save that same kind of family. God has not changed. Okay? If this is how Matthew is describing Jesus in the first century, this is how he still is today. He is still forgiving sins. He is still extending amnesty before the day of the Lord to anyone who will turn and repent and put their trust in him. And so if you're not sure what that looks like to repent, what it means to turn from sin and put your faith and trust in God and follow Jesus until he comes... If you're sitting next to a member of my church, you can ask them, hey, what, I want to follow Jesus. I want to repent of my sin. What's that mean? If you don't want to talk to them, you can talk to me or any of our elders and, I, and obviously the Baptist church too. But our members, this is your responsibility, okay, to help people follow Jesus. Last thing here, this is from the Bishop Ryle. It says, from this list of names... How great is the mercy and compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the names we read in this catalog remind us of shameful and sad histories. But at the end of all comes the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he is the eternal God, he humbled himself to become man in order to provide salvation for sinners. Though he was rich, yet for our sake, he became poor. We should always read this catalog with thankful feelings. We see here that no one who partakes of human nature, y'all, can be beyond the reach of Christ's sympathy and compassion. Our sins may have been as black and as great of any of those who Matthew names, but they cannot shut us out of eternal life if we repent and believe the gospel. If Jesus was not ashamed to be born of a woman whose pedigree contains such names as those we have read today, We need not think that he will be ashamed to call us brothers and to give us eternal life. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn from your sins, 
Trust in Jesus' cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Trust in Jesus' resurrection as the guarantee of your resurrection at the day of the Lord. Trust in the promise that he will give you the Holy Spirit when you repent. To help you, enable you, keep you on the path until he comes. Put your hope in Jesus. Whether you're new to this thing, you showed up today for whatever reason because there's chili. Or you've been a church member for 50, 60, 70 years. Today, repent and believe the gospel. Let's pray.